Seven lines from the top of the page, the third word on the line. Yesterday we learned the Pasuk Hikom, which tells us that a person should dress nicely when they pray to God. Rabbi Baravuna, Rabbi Basmake Matzola, he used to put on very nice shoes and he would pray. Omar, and he said, he called the cross, he would quote the Pasuk, you should prepare, you should prepare yourself to greet your God. He should dress nicely. Rabbi seemed to do the opposite. He would throw off his fine cloak and he would clasp his hands with Matzola and he would pray. Omar, he said, like a slave in front of the master. The person is very distressed in front of the master. Omar Ravashi, Ravashi said, I saw Rav Kahana do both. When there was trouble in the world, he would throw off his fine coat, and he would clasp his hands, and he would pray. Omar, he said, like a slave in front of the master. But when the world was tranquil, he would dress, and cover himself, and wrap himself up in very fine clothing, and he would pray. Omar, and then he said, he would quote the verse, and he would say, prepare yourself to greet your God, Israel. You dress nicely. Rabbi saw the Rabbi Nune was davening at great length. Amr, he said, They leave off eternal life of, of Torah, and they involve themselves in temporary, in temporary, uh, temporary life, asking their needs for this world by praying. So Rav Amnuna, who prayed at length, what did he think? He thought, the, prayer of, the time of prayer is distinct, and the time of Torah is distinct. You do each one properly in its time. Rav Yumi was sitting in front of Rav Zerah, and they were learning Torah together. It became late, the time of Dabnin became late, it was almost the end of the time. Uh, Rav Yirmiya was, was getting up quickly to pray that he shouldn't miss the time. Karla Rav Zeyra, Rav Zeyra called out after him. He quoted the Pasuk, Meser Azda Mishmar Torah, if a person takes his ear away from hearing Torah, Kam Tevilasa also his prayer is an abomination. Din. When is the beginning of judgment? We said yesterday that if you that you shouldn't start certain things before Mincha, but if you start, you don't have to stop. So one of those was judgment. So we're asking, when is the beginning of judgment? To know that if you started, you don't have to stop. Rav Yirmiya Rav Rav Yirmiya of Yonah each said different things. Chadamar once said, once said when the, when the judges wrapped themselves in their talesim, what they used to wrap themselves up for the fear of God, and also to physically, they wrapped their whole head, that, that they were physically, that their vision was limited, that they could only see in front of them and take, pay attention to the business's hand and not look right or left. But Chadamar once said, it's when the, when the litigants open up to start to make their claims. And there's no argument between these two opinions. One is when they're already going along in judgment. In other words, this is not the first case. So they already, in, the, in a previous case, they wrapped, wrapped themselves in the talesim. So when it comes to this, this judgment, the beginning is when the litigants begin to make their claims. And when we said that at the beginning is when they wrapped themselves with their talesim, it's when they weren't already involved in judgment. They're first starting now. So then the beginning of judgment is when they wrapped themselves in their talesim. These two rabbis were sitting and learning between the pillars of the base medrash. Every hour, although it's throughout the day, they would bang on the bolt of the door. And they would say, If there's anybody who has a judgment, let them come up and come before us. Let them come and we'll judge them. They were sitting, these two rabbis, all day long and judging. And they, they became faint. They were weak from judging all day. So taught them a brisa to teach them that they shouldn't do that way, that they're not supposed to sit all day long. And the brisa says, 
The Pasuk says, The Pasuk says that the people stood by Moshe from morning till night. The Pasuk says, Does it really make sense to you to think that Moshe was sitting all day long and judging? When would his Torah ever be done? When would he ever learn Torah? It's impossible that he was judging all day long. Ella says the Brisa, rather, what is the Pasik saying? Lamalacha to teach you, call Dayan Shadan Imis Din Emis Labito. Any judge who judges a judgment truly and doesn't allow a lying witness to get his way, Afilu Shahas, even one hour, even a person if the judge judges even one hour properly, the Torah considers him that he is made, he is a partner with God in the creation of the world. How do we see it? Because Hacha would have talked about Moshe judging that the people stood by Moshe from morning till night. And it's written over there by the creation of the world. Again, the words evening or night and morning was one day. So therefore it's telling us that just like over there night and morning, over here night and morning, to tell me that the judge is considered a partner in creation but not, but we, but he, but but they, he taught them you're not supposed to be sitting and judging all day long. Says the Gemara, Masai So how long do they sit in judgment? Amar of says Azman Suda until the time when when of the meal, which we assume is the time when Tamida Chachamim eat, which is what, which is the sixth hour. If the day is six in the morning till six at night, that would be eleven a.m. Amrav Chama Micro, where's the Pasik? Where do we see that the that the that the judges are not supposed to eat early? They receive Eilul Aretz, we say, Woe to the country, Shemalkech Naar, where your king acts like a, an irresponsible young man, meaning your judge, Bisarecha Baboka Yachela, and your and your officers eat in the morning, early, too early. Ashrecha Eretz, and happier are you, a land, Shemalkech Ben Chorin, where your king is a is a free man. He learns Torah. He acts properly. Acts properly. And your and your officers eat in the right time. And what is that? Bigvura in the time of strength. and not the time of drinking. Uh, what does that mean? Bigvura shall Torah with the strength of Torah. and not with the drinking of wine. So some people learn simply from the way the pasuk says that it's referring to that time. The other way is that it's very clear to see it because because at the midday meal they would already drink wine, so the judgment had to be before that time and not after they drank wine. Depends on if people learn differently. Tanah Rabbanan, we learned in Ebrisa, let's learn about the times of eating. Shari Shona, the very first hour of the day, 6 a.m., Ma'echaludim, that's when the cannibals eat. They just ravenous, they're eating all the time. <laughs> they eat right away. Shnia, 7 o'clock, the second hour, Ma'echalistim, that's when the thieves eat. They're up all night, but they sleep one hour into the morning. They're up all night doing bad things. And they sleep one hour in the morning, 6 to 7, 7 o'clock, just like the cannibals, they eat first thing in the morning. Shlishis, 8 o'clock, the third hour, Ma'echalistim. That's when people who inherited their money and don't have to work, they have no, have no cares or worries, they eat at 8 a.m. Revius, the fourth hour, 9 a.m., Ma'echalistim, that's when the workers eat. Hamishis, the fifth hour, 10 a.m., Michael Kolod, and that's when everybody eats. The Gemara says, Zini, is that really true? Didn't we learn differently? Didn't Rav Papa say, He didn't really say that 9 o'clock is the time that all people eat. Uh, Ella, so rather, so that's a contradiction. Ella, but rather, says the Gemara, you have to say like this. This is how you have to learn. Revius Michael Kolod. The fourth hour, nine o'clock is when everybody eats. Hamishis, ten o'clock, Michael Paul, and that's when the workers eat. They have they have to work to they have to they have obligations to the, to their boss. 
Shishis, in the sixth hour, 11 o'clock in the morning, that's the time when the Tamei Chachamim eat. From here onwards, if you eat after that time, it's going to be like throwing a stone into an empty wine container. What does that mean? If you, if you, put, if you put a stone where there's liquid, so it's going to raise, the, raise it, but if you put a stone into an empty container, it does absolutely nothing. The same way here, if you're going to eat after, the, after, the, after, the, after that time, the food will not have value. Amr Abayah, but Abayah said, the Raman, when we said that after that time the food doesn't have value, we only said it under these circumstances, El de Midi so he didn't taste anything earlier. Abol Midi Bitsafar, but if he at least tasted something earlier in the morning, less Lanba, then it won't be a problem if he delays his meal even after the sixth hour. Yesterday we were discussing a bathhouse. A person is allowed to pray his prayer in the bathhouse, a tremendously novel point. Says the Gemara, let me raise a difficulty to Rav Ada. Didn't we learn in a Raisa that it's forbidden to pray in a bathhouse? If a person goes into the bathhouse, in the outermost of the three rooms, where people stand dressed, there a person can say the Shema and pray. And it goes without saying, that they can use the word Shalom, which will see Hashem's name, to greet their friend. And they can put on tefillin from the outset. And it goes without saying, that the person doesn't have to take off their tefillin. In the middle room, where people stand, Orumim, undressed, Ulevushim, undressed, Yesham Shela Shalom. There you can still use the word Shalom to greet your friend. The Ain Sham Mikra Utfila, but a person doesn't say Shema or say his prayer. The Nocholit Tfilin, the person doesn't have to take off their Tfilin. The Nominech Lachatila, but they don't put it on from the outset. In the third innermost room, where people are all standing naked, there you can't use shalom to greet your friend. And it goes without saying that you can't say the Shema or pray. And the person has to take their tefillin off. And it goes without saying that the person doesn't put them on from the outset. So we see clearly that the Bryce says that you're restricted and you cannot make your prayer in the bathhouse. How did Rav Ava say that you can? Gemara says, don't worry. When Rav Adabra said that you can pray in the bathhouse, he's talking about a bathhouse that's empty of people. There's nobody there. Gemara says it's not a good answer. Did Rav Yossi Bar Chanina say, when they spoke about the restrictions of a bathhouse, they spoke about it even when there was no man there, when there's no person there. When they made the restrictions of a bathroom, when they spoke about the restrictions of a bathroom, even though there's no feast, so you see, even when there's no people in the bathhouse, the restrictions apply. So how do we explain Rav Adah Ba'ava? Ela kikam Rav Adah, when, when did Rav Adah say that you can pray in the bathhouse? Bechadati, when it's brand new, it was only designated as a bathhouse, but it hasn't been used yet. The Mar says, one second, but weren't we in doubt about designation? Ravina. Wasn't Ravina in doubt about this very question? He said, if they designated a place as a bathroom, Mahu, what's the law? Do we say that the designation is significant and the restrictions of the bathroom apply? Or do we say no, that, that the designation is not significant and the, and the restrictions of the bathroom don't apply? And he didn't solve it. So since he was in doubt about the bathroom in that case, shouldn't we say that that same doubt would apply when it comes to a bathhouse? And even a bathhouse that was only 
designated as a bathhouse could possibly be restricted and it would be forbidden to daven there. And when I says, no, we can defend Ravada. He says, Dilma Shani Beisakisei. We can always say that perhaps a bathroom is different. Why demise? Because it's particularly disgusting. And a bath, bath and a bathroom, which is a bathroom which is particularly disgusting. There we say that perhaps designation alone brings on its prohibitions. When it comes to a bathhouse, which is not so disgusting, Ravada can be sure that even that that designation is not significant, and the person is allowed to pray in that place. Now we said in the innermost room, ain't shan shela sholem. The person can't use sholem to greet his friend. Masayle Rav Amnuna. This would support Rav Amnuna. Mishmei de Ula. In the name of Ula, the Amar, who said, Asul Adam shitein sholem chaveru beisamechatz. It's forbidden for a person to give sholem to greet his friend with sholem in the in the in the in the bathhouse. Mishum shenemar because it says in a pasuk, Vayikra lo Hashem sholem. Gidon called Hashem sholem. So you see that that's Hashem's name. One second. If you say that when Gidon said Hashem Shalom, Hashem Shalom, he's that's Hashem's name. According to you, that it would also be forbidden to say faithful in a bathroom. Why? Because it's written the Hashem who is faithful. So you see, faithful is also a name. If you want to tell me that's right, you know what? You're not allowed to say faithful in the bathroom. It's not true. Didn't we learn? You're allowed to say faithful in the bathroom. So, so how could so how can you tell me that you can't say shalom? The answer is no. Hasam shame gufe loikri. When it came to the word faithful, it was never the faithful was never called the name of God. It was merely descriptive. Okay, pardon me. Shame gufe loikri The the name of God was never called faithful. Because we translate it, a faithful God. It was just an adjective describing Hashem. When it came to the word Shalom, the very name of God was Shalom. They called him Hashem Shalom. That is the name of God, Shalom. So therefore, the word Shalom has to be restricted as opposed to the word faithful. The same speaker. We learned, if a person gives a gift to their friend, they have to let them know. Rashi gives us two explanations. One, from the outset, lest the, lest the recipient be embarrassed, the person has to let them know beforehand that they're going to give them a gift so they won't be embarrassed. The other possibility is that you shouldn't just give a gift and leave it by the person's house and let them know that you gave them a gift. You have to let them know what you did for them so that they will love you. So he says, how do we know it? Shenemar, as it says in the Pasuk, when Hashem wanted to give Shabbos to the Jewish people, he said, Ladas to know, Ki'ani Hashem, Mekadishchem, I'm Hashem, who wants to sanctify you with this wonderful Shabbos. Tanya Namiach, we also learn like this in a Brysa. Ladas to know, Ki'ani Hashem, Mekadishchem, I'm God who sanctifies you. Amar le'akadosh baruch le'moshe, God said to Moshe, Matana tovi yeshli v'beis kenozai, I have a wonderful gift, a good gift, in my treasure house, v'shabbos shmo, and its name is Shabbos, v'ani not the Israel, and I want to give it to the Jewish people. Go let them know. From here we can learn that a person gives bread to a child of somebody else, somebody else's kid. They have to let the mother know. Gemara says, "My what should you do to the kid? How do you let the mother know?" Abaya says you should smear a little oil between uh, between the eyes. And he should put, or he should, or he should put a little cosmetic, uh, cosmetic uh, like eyeshadow around his eyes. 
I says the Gemara, and these days when people are very suspicious that maybe that sorcery, they're going to be, it's not going to be good. My, what do you do now? Papa, What do you do is whatever you fed him, just smear a little bit, a little bit of that uh, onto the kid. And the, whatever it's going to be, so then the mother's going to see and say, what is all that all about? And the kid will tell, he fed me. Where he says, Any, is it really true that you have to tell a person when you give them a gift? Didn't we learn, didn't we learn exactly the opposite? That a person gives a gift to his friend that they don't have to let them know? As it says, Moshe didn't know that his face became shining uh, uh, when he was speaking with God. So you see Hashem gave him the gift of, of his face shining and, and didn't tell him. Look, Moshe didn't know he got the gift. Moshe says, look, Hasha, that's, that's not a difficulty. When do we say you don't have to let a person know? When for sure it's going to become known. That, that what? For sure Moshe is going to figure out if everybody sees him, they got a gift from God. And when do we say you have to tell when it's not necessarily true that the person is going to find out? Moshe says, what do you mean? Well, Shabbos, certainly Shabbos, they were going to find out what Hashem gave them. So they, uh, that Hashem gave, what Hashem gave them. So why did he have to let them know? The answer is matan because the great reward of Shabbos would never have been known. And therefore, what? Since the Jews would have not known the gift of the tremendous reward of Shabbos, Moshe had to go and tell them beforehand that God was giving it to them. From kosher behemas. Uh, domesticated animals, we give the Kohen the jaw, one of the stomachs, and the right foreleg. Avchista was a Kohen. Avchista habinoki bidei tarti matante the Torah. So Avchista had from a cow two sets of these Kohanic gifts. And he said, Anybody who comes and tells me a new teaching in the name of Rav, I'm going to give him these gifts that I have. So Rabbi Machasi said to him, This is what Rav said. If a person gives a gift to his friend, he has to let him know. As it says, to know that I am that I am God, the one who sanctifies you, like we learned earlier. So he gave him the gifts. Amr, he says, He says, Wow, do you consider the teachings of Rav to be so precious? Are they so precious to you? Amr Lehi said to him, and he said, Yes, they are. Amr Lehi, so he said to him, He says, On this very point, he says, That's what Rav said. Milsa, the garment that, that, that a person wears, they consider it to be extremely valuable. You're a student of Rav, and that's why you consider his teachings to be so valuable. Amr Lehi said to him, he said, he said, did Rav say that? He said, He says, the second teaching that you just taught me now is even more preferable to me than the first one. If I had, if I had more Kohen gifts, I would give it to you. Again, the same speaker. A person shouldn't single out one son from the others for special treatment. Because, because for the weight of two slime of fine wool, that Jacob gave to Yosef, more than the rest of his sons, his brothers were jealous of him, and the events turned out, one thing led to another, and our fathers went to 
down to Egypt. Again, the same speaker. A person should run to dwell in a city that is more recently settled. Because since it was recently settled, its sins are less. Where do we learn it from? When it came to Lot running away with the angels, he said, He said, This city is close to escape there. And he said, and it's small. My Krova, what does it mean when he said that it's close? Elim, if you want to say that Lot told the angels Krova, the Mikro, he meant that it's literally physically close, Vezuta, and it's small, uh, and it's no matter to let it survive. They can see it themselves. Elo, Mitoshi, Shivasa Krova, rather he was saying that since it was recently settled, Avoneha Mutsarim, its sins are small. That's what it meant. Amrabi Avin Maikra, and how do we see that it was recently settled? They'll see because it's written, Imalto no Shama. When he said, I want to escape, he used the word no, which is a Nunan and Aleph. No Begamatria, so no in its numerical value, a Nun and Aleph, Hamishim Vechad it's 51, Nun 50, and Aleph 1. Vishal Sodom, and Sodom was settled, Hamishim Vishtaim, had it been settled, 52 years ago, and those one year older than Soar. And Rashi makes the accounting through which we know that Sodom had been settled 52 years earlier. Rav Abin continues, Vishalvosa, the tranquility of Sodom, because the prophets told us that Sodom had a period of tranquility, as Srim Vashesh. He, he tells us that it was 26 years. How do we know? Dirsiv, as it's written, for 12 years they served Kedar Omer, the king of Elam, that was including the king of Sodom. Mardu, And 13 years they rebelled. So those years of serving and those years of rebelling were not years of tranquility. So that adds up to be 12 and 13 is 25. And it was in the 14th year of the rebellion that finally, uh, that etc., that the Kodolam was killed. So for 26 years they were not in tranquility. So we assume that the time of tranquility was from that time until 52. 26 from 52 is 26.